Welcome, everybody. You've got the cardboard coaches here with your boy, Coach Go. Have no fear. The cartel is here looking a little scruffy because every waking moment is involved with preparing for the Toronto Sport Card Expo. My life is in shambles, but I am here to discuss the cards. I can confirm this because I actually had to pick up a sub of your house yesterday. Shambles. Shambles. For those of you who are listening audibly, maybe you're watching visually, we've got a special guest on our podcast. We've got Rahul from AIH, am I correct? AIH Sports. Sports. You can find him both on YouTube and on uh Instagram, and I will leave his link in the bio. Sports, it's in the game. <laughs> Certainly really close. How are you doing today, man? Good. How are you guys doing? Good, thank you. Excellent, Rahul. It is great to meet you, man. Um, you are the kind of guy that I see pop up here and there on Instagram. I first saw you pop up on the feed of one of my favorite follows on IG, as controversial as he may be, controversy seems to be the name of the game. Patrick Ryan of P. Ryan Collection. That's how I got turned on to you. And before I knew it, I was seeing a lot more of you. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself, what you collect, how you entered the hobby, and why so many people are having you on their shows. Yeah, so back in 2018, uh, my wife, uh, she collects a lot of Funko Pops. And then she eventually started her own e-commerce business. So what happened was I was looking on OfferUp, the app. I don't know if you guys use it in Canada, but uh, no, you don't? No. no. Okay. So it's popular here in the U.S. And I saw this one antique shop that is located in the Chicagoland area and they sell Funko Pops. And I told my wife, let's just go down there because you're interested in this. You're starting your business. Maybe we could find something. So at that antique shop, um, what I when I first got in there, I saw all these baseball cards. And then I'm thinking to myself, wait a second. Uh, people collect cards. Like I had some cards at my parents' house right now. Uh, but I saw all these cards. And I'm thinking, okay, I could do something with this. And I found a Chipper Jones rookie card. It was like a dollar. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Because I think I heard something about a Desert Storm card, 1991. That's worth a lot of money. So I took that card. And then I was thinking, okay, let me just look on eBay. Let me just find all these cards. So after trial and error, you know, I made some mistakes. I bought all these uh, cards on an antique auction house for 340 bucks. The actual value was what, 40 bucks. But through trial and error, I learned my lessons. And then I figured out, okay, I should get into the goats. So that's pretty much how I got back in 2018, right around the time where, yeah, right around the time where everything was dirt cheap, in my opinion. Even though if you go back to 2010, everything was dirt cheap as well. But 2018 was just an awesome time to get in, in my opinion. So, yep, yep. A lot of people forget that any initial run up we had was towards the end of 2019. So 2018 would have been a good time. Yep. I was looking for a Hall of Famers at that time. I was looking for Derek Jeter cards. And what I found out was crazy. Derek Jeter was going to be in the Hall of Fame in 2020. I think it was pushed back to 2021 because of the pandemic. Yeah. So then I, yep, I found these Derek Jeter cards and then I just saw the prices kept on going higher and higher and higher. And I'm thinking to myself, what's going on here? So then later on, I'm like, okay, I should look at Peyton Manning cards. And then 2019, his cards just went up. So I found a pattern like, okay, I should get into the goats at that time. Not goats, but like Hall of Fame caliber yeah. guys. Were you pulled in at all to the fact that, you know, back in 2018, you can go, you could have gone to a retail store like Walmart and just be surrounded by, I mean, obviously the big one people talk about 2018 top series two for the Acuna SP, the update. Did you get pulled into any of that or were you, did you just find that you were strategically, it sounds like you're strategic in the sense that you were buying singles. Did you get pulled into any of those other elements? Not really, because I strictly came in and I've told this to a lot of people, a lot of people get ticked off. I came in for an investment perspective. Yeah, I do collect some cards on the side and some autographs 
too, but I came in from a, you could say, uh, some people would say greedy perspective, but I found an opportunity and I got into the goats. I wasn't getting into um, just buying packs like other people do, you know, that's fine. That's their thing. If they're buying wax and trying to open it up and to try to find a gem, but I was thinking, okay, a probability standpoint, if I just buy these graded cards, I know what I'm getting. And uh, when they get to the Hall of Fame, they should see a price appreciation. So that was my strategy early on when everything was more affordable. And, and f- forgive me, but you come from a finance background, correct? Um, I have a finance degree. Uh, I don't use it. Uh, I am an accountant, but I do trade a lot. Uh, I do invest. I, that is my hobby. Yeah. So I, I just do that. I mean, I graduated in 08 when the market crashed. So I was thinking, I want to be more safe. And I got an accounting degree. So, so, so that is the crux of what's most interesting to me here is the fact that you've got this background in investing. Your wife is making money in a, in a solid, well, fairly solid collectible market. Um, I know a little bit about Funkos. I know that people are passionate. Where you have passion you, de- you certainly at some point see the value. And I know there's Funko Pops that are very valuable. Yeah. Um, he does encompass- other things besides selling Funkos. He does, does like other things too. Okay, right on. So you enter this alternative asset, so to speak. And coming in as an investor, uh, you say some people talk down about that. And in my opinion, you know, look, if, if there's an investment aspect and there's an, a possibility of making money, why, why would you criticize anyone in that stream? But what's interesting right. is most guys that came in as investors rather than collectors or who had that connection are not doing some of the things that you're doing, which is to say you're pushing back against some of the schemes, shall we say, and, um, you know, the, uh, the nefarious, uh, now I was the first PS to start using the term nefarious far before some of these other people, (laughs) nefarious plots that we've seen. Um, what got you so pat, like, so, I can, I've told people, like, I, I have friends who've been affected. I take it very personally because I feel the hobby is mine in a personal way. It's been so many years. What inspired you to be so passionate about pushing back? So it was about a decade ago, and I follow Gold and Silver, and there's a Gold and Silver YouTube community. It used to be, you know, really tight, just like the sports card community. And we saw the prices go up like crazy in 2010, 2011, but then you saw the dump happening. And then the industry, I'm not talking about the futures dealers. I'm talking about uh, individuals or companies that sell bullion, uh, gold, silver, I mean, gold eagles, gold bullion, um, palladium, platinum, et cetera. They were engaging in what I deem to be shady tactics. And there were other YouTube channels that were engaging in shady tactics. Uh, For instance, uh, I I don't know if you've heard of the Comex. Uh, It's an exchange where they trade uh, silver and gold on, you know, it's a futures exchange. It's owned by the CMA. And um, all these guys on YouTube, they used to run these uh, crazy stories. And these crazy stories included how the comics is going to default in six days. You got to buy all your silver before it defaults. So um, they ran this sales pitch. Other YouTubers were running it. I'm sure that they must have been getting kickbacks or they're trying to get more views for clickbait because of AdSense. So they were running these ridiculous stories. And then everyone thought, oh, man, the comics is going to default. It didn't default. But then you saw these stories over and over and over again. And they used to run these uh, BS stories, how there's a silver shortage and you buy it, you got to buy your silver before it crashes and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. I saw, I first used to run with these nonsensical stories, how JP Morgan would default. But then I thought to myself, like, no, this is BS. Some people told me, no, this is BS. You got to stop, you know, running with this. So then go back to uh, sports cards, right? We saw this huge run up in 2020, 21, just like with gold and silver in 2010, 2011. And now the industry, in my opinion, is running uh, shady tactics or what they're doing is they're just flat out naive. And it could be a combination of both. I I don't know um, 
what you guys feel about all this. I do follow uh, you two on Instagram, uh, but just stories about, Hey, you should be positive. And if you're only, and if you're negative, right. Being negative is detrimental to the hobby, but like people you're are automatically a hater. If you're negative, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I feel yeah. like the, 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 the classic thing to do is just call someone a hater. Now, if you, if you just question, you know, like, I just uh, imagine just wanting to dot your I's and cross your T's and just ask questions. And all of a sudden you're a hater, you know, people are like, well, why, why does it matter to you? Or like, uh, like mind your own business. Or, I mean, I find that that happens to me. I'm not sure if that also happens to you. Yeah. It happens to me all the time. Last night, I'm not going to mention the guy's name unless you want me to. Uh, but, um, he had a long lengthy post on IG and he was just calling me out because, you know, I, I did some videos saying like, Hey, I, I think, uh, some guys are up to some shady activities with star Wars cards and I'm, you know, negative, bad for the hobby. And, uh, one of his buddies said that I should be canceled because, you know, I allow all types of comments, including hate towards me, uh, nasty comments. So it's fair game, but, yeah, it's just really strange that why do you only want positive feedback when you're investing and speculating? I understand if you're collecting, fine. But if you're just, you know, trying to, you know, arbitrage, trying to make money like that, I want all opinions, right? Because if I'm doing something wrong, I need to hear about it. And if I see a lot of it, I'm going to do research like, okay, is this a contrary indicator or are they up to something? And that's why I try to listen to people of all different points of view, because if you don't, you're in your own echo chamber. And that is probably the worst thing for investing that I've Absolutely. learned. Well, I'll tell you this, uh, without having uh, seen your specific discussion, I saw some notes that you had on your stories and that sort of thing regarding Star Wars. And I actually wouldn't mind getting a kind of a summary and a rehash today on our show. Yeah, sure, but sure. you know, what, what I wait for in all of these situations where people are being quote unquote called out, yeah. um, you know, even in these situations and, and we should touch on the V friend situation, which in my mind is the most obvious overt and organized type of pump scheme that we've seen in the past couple of years. When you see that no one involved took the time. And so this guy that attacked you, it would be one thing if he said, you know, Rahul, I respect your opinion and I see what you're saying and I can see how you are viewing this through your perspective, but I would just like to respectfully disagree and give you my talking points. But we don't see that. We see either some sort of uh, immature um, calling you a hater, an, an outright attack, or, you know, in, in my case, I've, I've had people block me rather than even have the discussion. And we're talking about scenarios, and I'm assuming, Rahul, that you did not, you know, maybe point one person out and, 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 and make a direct accusation. I would imagine you probably discussed kind of a greater issue that you were seeing. Um, but it's, it's funny, people take it, uh, it, when people take it that way, they're revealing a lot about themselves, in my opinion when they're that defensive and won't have, you know, the discussion with you. So that actually brings me, if you don't mind, to the fact that you crossed over to the quote unquote other side, as I like to call it, when you spoke to Luca Tiger LeBron, uh, again, a very popular, uh, I believe it's a group of guys. Um, I like to call them Luca Tiger LeBron, uh, LeBron V at this point for obvious reasons. Um, these are guys that I want to talk to. These are guys that I want to engage with. I've not been super satisfied with the short discussions I've had with them. You had a long discussion with them. You want to talk, uh, talk to us a little bit about how that went and the, that whole experience? Because I was actually, uh, I was kind of happy for you and also surprised when I saw that develop. Kind of unexpected. Yeah, I was surprised that Goldberg reached out to me. He started following me. He messaged me, hey man, uh, uh, you should come on my program. And I was like, Okay, sure. Why not? I know that uh, he is a strong supporter of Gary V. What I did learn in that podcast is that he got fired by Gary V. So that was quite interesting. Interesting. And, yeah, it was interesting. And uh, like I told you, I don't want to be in my own echo chamber. I want to engage with people of different uh, opinions. And there was Cage Lawyer. Cage Lawyer did have uh, some interesting arguments. 
uh, when I brought up uh, the V friends, as you guys know, and you follow, I think Patrick Ryan, he was posting and I posted this before. And I think uh, that other guy, South Park cards too, I think. Yeah. 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 I mean, he was the one that that received a a big chunk of the backlash over the V friends pump because he was following it on a daily basis and posting updates. He did the work. He did the digging, which I appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, I found the similar things that he did and I wasn't following him. Then someone said South Park cards too. And then I started following him like, Hey, we're finding the same type of information. And he got a lot of hate for it. I think um, sports card nonsense brought him on. I just watched like five, six minutes and they're just arguing with each other. And then I was like, I have to sleep. Um, But um, yeah. (laughs) And he did, I think have a post. And it was ignored for a bit, but then I uh, touched back on it a few weeks ago. It was uh, the V Friends Gratitude Gorilla and Determined Dolphin, which the, was the similar to. I'm sorry. The trademark. And not the trademark, but he was talking about it was maybe copied from Karen Ritchie's book, and that was a blackout. Like no one was talking about it. And then that was the cherry on top of that whole Sunday, man. Yeah, exactly. And then Patrick Ryan that you mentioned, he put it on IG. And then I was like, okay, let me run with it on YouTube because he was talking about it because I totally forgotten because I was, I had some, you know, dumb drama with the same guy I was talking about like two months ago. So I didn't touch it, touch base on it. So when that was quiet, I touched based on the determined dolphin and I talked about the gratitude gorilla story and what it got 700, 800 views. And then I don't know if my video reached Darren Ravel because the next day Darren Ravel did a story on this and they reached out to Gary V. It may have been Patrick Ryan because I think he's buddies with them. Whoever uh, sent him the information, Darren Ravel talked about it, which I was shocked that he actually talked about it and reached out to Gary V. Gary V said that he has the copyright. So the thing is, did Gary V actually copy it or is it just a mere coincidence because they're using alliteration like yeah. gratitude gorilla and determined dolphin. Yeah, yeah. But it, it was just weird. It was strange. And then I, I was getting hate for just talking about it. Peers and people on YouTube, I'm like, it, shouldn't you give me, you know, a high five for at least bringing this up and asking questions? Like, I don't know if Gary V actually copied it. I'm just asking questions. It's just been a strange last few months. I don't know. I mean, I've been receiving a lot more, you know, you could say hate, like in the comment section, people doing videos about me, people want to start stuff with me. I'm like, okay, fine. If that's how it is. It's this strange thing where you are asking the questions that no one else seems to be asking. And you're, and I'm sure you feel this in your heart. You're saying to yourself, I'm doing this in a positive way to help. Uh, Look, I'm assuming, look, you're investing in the hobby. I'm collecting, investing and dealing in the hobby. Uh, Coach Poe is collecting and and investing in the hobby. Okay. So that means anything good for the hobby is good for us. And anything bad for the hobby is bad for us. The one that I'll I'll never forget, I was in a live with Cage Lawyer and a few of the other guys. And uh, again, there's been so many of these controversies. I can't even recall which specific one it was we were talking about, but this concept came up where where the concept of if you're speaking if you're speaking about the controversy you're letting people know and therefore they know that there's uh, shady stuff going on so they're going to avoid the hobby right and and i chimed in by saying well that that's probably why people are always saying don't speak negatively because it hurts us all and then cage lawyer ran with that as if i was trying to make that point and say that we shouldn't speak negatively whereas if anyone checks out the cartel stories 99% 99% of it is unfortunately, you know, not what I would call negative, but just asking the questions and calling out the stuff that's going on out there. Because it's it's done in a way where I want there to be a positive outcome for everybody so that we get rid of that. And by the way, if Rahul is talking about some of these negative aspects, the cardboard coaches with our very small following are talking about it, it's not like it's going to wind up on, on the mainstream news and damage us that badly, at least I don't think. Um, when you have an influencer like Gary Vee involved, I think that becomes more of an issue. 
So that takes me to that next. All we're talking about here is Rahul influencers, right? Yeah. Um, what do you think of this movement of the fact that we're like in this influencer era? And do you think that it has anything to do with the market? I'm actually just throwing that out there. I'm, I don't have a hypothesis here. But what do you think of this influencer era where, um, and, and for me, the disturbing part was connecting the dots. You talked about these guys that say, don't speak negatively. I saw their accounts. I connected the dots to what they were doing and I figured out they were being paid off. And the reality is- Wait, 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 you, you have proof. Absolutely. Well, listen, did you, do we not remember the card? I'm, I'm, I assume you follow card porn. Do we yep. not remember the card porn post that literally listed influencers and the sponsorships and the that sponsorships? they had? Yeah. Now I know that some are, some were not listed that are not verified, but I could, I could absolutely put an argument together for 100% based on what I've screenshotted and stories that I've seen. So, and they are the guys and look, you've, you've had issues with, a guy that curates things. He's an example of someone who all of a sudden he's saying, don't speak negatively. He had these really condescending stories about don't even don't open your mouth unless it's something positive about the hobby. How dare you? I'm saying this to him. Say something like that. When checking out your feed, there's a lot of suspect stuff in terms of what you're accumulating and how you're pushing it. Right. So that's what gets me about this whole influencer. What's your take on it? I mean, are we all, kind of slaves to this? Can we just ignore it? How much influence do they have? And does it have anything to do with the current market? Yeah. So I'm going to go uh, to the white paper that Josh Luber wrote, and I'm going to tie into the influencers. I don't know if you read it, yeah. uh, but um, what most happened? I'm sorry? Most of it. <laughs> okay. You most of it. Okay. So the, the guy that curates things, let's just say that he yeah. always talks about the paper. So I, I listened to his videos and then I, I looked at the paper myself and I saw some things on Twitter that caught my eye. And what Josh Luber said is that in the sneaker market, what happens is they try to, or what, where they failed is they allowed the hype to get out of control and they didn't manage it properly. And what Josh, I think, is trying to allude to is, you know, when he's at Fanatics, he's going to try to manage this hype cycle so, you know, they can run the gravy chain, they could continue to make as much money as possible. And in my opinion, what influencer, influencers are doing is they're taking this concept of the hype cycle and they're trying to make as much money as possible before the hype runs out, because we know how it is. You know, we saw with FLIR 86, we saw with PMGs, yeah. and now I believe the thing is going on with Star Wars. You um, buy up the cards, do videos, do Instagram reels, etc. Hype, 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 be positive. Make sure, you know, call out the negative people because they're bad for the hobby. You know, we're collectors, et cetera, et cetera, but they're not collectors. They're masquerading as collectors, but they're more speculators. And then once you get that hot money in, maybe you could get a guy like Steve Aoki, who follows these guys, by the way, yes. and who has big money. So you get all this hot money in saying, oh, great investment, right? It beats the S&P, right? And et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then by that time, um, they've sold their cards or they've made a ton of money. They can move on to the next grift. So this is how it works, in my opinion. They use uh, what happened in Luber's paper, Luber's concept of hype, and they try to maximize the most amount of profit to their benefit, but they're not disclosing that. In my opinion, they're doing that. Right. And, and speaking of Aoki, I think it's more than just he follows them and their friends. I think there are financials involved. And just to kind of, again, spell it out in case I'm being too vague, we have the release of a product, the first Fanatics cardboard product, in my under, my understanding, yeah. which is under the um, you know under the zero cool label, which yeah. I call zero interest personally. Yeah, and we have several popular podcasts have both Josh Luber and other people associated with the project on. You have people like Aoki and Jeff Wilson receiving packages in the mail to open live or create content with to show you the product and pump it. Once the product is out there and has been sold at some exorbitant price, we have kids like the Backyard Breaks boys, who I believe have been working for, I'm going to put it out there, 
I'm not making allegations. I'm saying I believe that they've been working with fanatics for quite some time, put up stories, pumping these $8,000 singles, which are now worth $8 potentially. Cool. I mean, they're close. <laughs> sure. Right. Yeah. Literally. I mean, Luke it's like maybe, like maybe 300 bucks. Like, I mean, you that, know what I mean? That is like, what I see on eBay. It's yeah, like yeah. more like yeah. three, three fifty. Yeah. Yeah. Luke Tiger, LeBron, again, all those guys pumped it. Cage Lawyer, he was opening up a box all in that same week. It was about a two, three-week span of time from the opening of these boxes to, you know, pumping the prices on eBay. And it kind of just dawned on me. I see that this consortium, I see who they've reached out to. It's very obvious to me, right? And like you said, that is that. It's, it's like a to a T way too obvious usage of what was mentioned in the white papers in terms of the hype. I sh- and I that's also- really oh. made me much more cynical and upset than I was to begin with. Um, so what does that do? So Rahul, what does that do? What's the effect? What is the effect on when people see this, this sort of thing? So uh, let, let me just add on uh, what was quite obvious to me was if you look on eBay on the secondary market, and I did videos on this and Patrick Ryan just kept on sharing them. And uh, thanks to him, you know, this message got out and also yeah. South Park cards too. And I'm sure there's other people as well. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure you talked about this as well, yeah. because that's Rock, when Rocky, I think Rocky Mountain baseball cards as well. Yeah. Was on it. Yeah. And um, what was quite ridiculous, and I got so ticked off about this, was that a lot of the higher prices on eBay had zero reviews. Yeah. A lot of the sellers had zero reviews. And then you see all these things like, oh, $16,000 unopened box. You had uh, Gratitude Gorilla. I think it went on Probstein. It says $12,000, but it was zero reviews shill bid. I've never seen so many cards shill bid at all. And this was just quite obvious. I mean, Patrick Mahomes it was shielded like crazy yeah. for the past, what, couple of months. I think now, you know, the shillers have left, but I think they're still trying to protect the price. But regardless, that's, that's what drove me nuts. And if it drove me nuts, you know, people started um, looking into this after I was talking about, it. they're like saying, whoa, who cares about all this? And I was telling, look, you should care about this because if they're doing it for zero cool yeah. for friends, what are they going to do for the baseball products that I want to buy next? Yeah. Are they going to be shilling? Are, are the uh, guys in the um, breaking community going to be shilling? I mean, there's a lot of videos coming out on um, all these breakers. I mean, I'm pretty sure you've seen them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you've seen them. Yeah, right. Oh, for sure. And we, I mean, we've talked about them as well. Like in this, what well, we're I've talking about right girl. now, what we're talking about right now actually remind, I mean, it, it's similar to what P Ryan was talking about uh, several times about uh, WWE prism and how all these breakers and all these influencers were marketing WWE prism as like, it's the first, the first ever wrestling prism and it's going to uphold value at $2,000 a box. And you're stupid for questioning it. And this one of one Hulk Hogan black prism just sold for $20,000 so we need to run to the stores and rip it and, and, you know, all this crap. And then he just posted a story today about how now the boxes are down to 600 bucks. And now all of a sudden people are on to the next product. So much of what you were talking about is like every time a product comes out, it's like people are hyping Phoenix. And, and I mean, Panini has like 12,000 products that get released like a year now. You know what I mean? And, and what they're yeah. doing is they're hyping every single one of these products up all the hits from these products, like the, the rookie class could be absolutely awful. I know that tops series one, I mean, uh, no disrespect to anybody else in that rookie class, but it's basically Wander Franco. Do you know what I mean? Like, and like to justify ripping, you know, some of the boxes at these prices. I mean, I remember the PSA 10 Wander Franco, uh, it went for like $2,000, I think. And people right. were advertising that like, Oh, uh, you know, you want to rip this product because if you get a PSA 10 Franco, it's $2,000. I'm like, under what circumstances is this going to uphold? You know what I mean? Like you're, you're selling fake riches. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to push. Okay. So I'm going to push back a little bit on that, Brennan. And that's going to take us to Star Wars, by the way, uh, which I want to discuss with Rahul. But again, yeah, just to clarify, Rahul mentioned those shilled 
clearly, obviously fake sales. Again, you know, I, I confronted one of the Luca Tiger guys about this and they're like, you think so? Question mark. Like, and it's kind of like, dude, you are a smart guy. Don't tell me you're, you're not a smart guy because you are a smart guy. Um, and those were the prices being pumped by the backyard breaks guys in their stories. They were specifically pumping those prices. I got to ask guys a question. Do you see, if you saw the video of Andrew Goldberg auctioning off his V cards at, at, at VCon, are people really buying Randy Roach? And how absurd is it? Anyway, I just cannot believe adults, uh, grown adults are buying Randy Roach. A lot Roach. of people like Gary V. you have to remember. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, the yes, thing is, uh, I remember in the comment like section, comment section, people were like going after me saying like, how dare you? I mean, you're going after um, the mastermind of the hobby. You, you, a lot of people got in because of Gary V. So I got a lot of people saying like, you're an idiot, you're a clown, you're this, you're that. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'm still going to run with, you know, what I deem to be the truth. Doesn't mean that I'm right. But eventually people have, you know, changed their tune a bit. So I think that's a good thing that, you know, I've been a bit aggressive in what I'm saying. And, you know, it helps with someone like Patrick Ryan, you know, with a big influence. And then you too, too. I mean, you have large followings on Instagram. I just have what 500. So it's good. You're getting the message out. Yeah. Well, we, we can't underestimate the cult like followings that we see with some of these individuals and groups. Why wow. I've, I've had co private conversations with Brendan about the backyard breaks cult following, and it is terrifying. It's terrifying. They're, they're, they're dudes in their 20s that, you know, the bro culture. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they've come after it's, me it's for, younger guys. For, for showing the kaboom fiasco. Like, I mean, they've had, they came, come after me for days. Do you know what I mean? Like on everything yeah. I've ever posted. And I'm like, so, all I'm doing is showing you what happened. I'm literally showing you a video of what happened. And I, I'm, you know, like my hands are behind my back. Here you go. Like that's. Yeah, it wasn't a good look for Josh Luber to, you know, go on and break with them. I, I was shocked. Like, what are you doing? Like, were you shocked, though? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, let's yeah, be real. Now, now that I'm thinking about it, it's just like, <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, how tone deaf do you have to be? But again, I believe that they were in cahoots far before they decided to, to do break with one another. Why would the backyard now? Okay, the backyard breaks might take it upon themselves to start hyping these shilled Gary V auctions. Okay, the, in that case, it would be because they have the product and they need to sell it. I'm not aware. I don't follow them. I'm not. Were they doing V friends breaks? If they were, maybe that explains it. They but bought forty. I think they bought 40 boxes. Okay, that might be it then. But then again, if they're buying 40 boxes, I have to think there's some association that exists. I have to think that. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, they're a big distributor, right? Like they're a huge distributor. There's no way that the relationship doesn't exist at some level with either Panini or like, how do you get that product? You know that like that sure. they're going to buy in mass quantities. Do you know what I mean? So there's right. obviously a relationship between them and card companies. There, like there has to be. Right. So Brendan brought up um, two things. So, and, and so I, I'm, I'm particularly excited about engaging Rahul about this because I'm going to play devil's advocate. Um, I don't have a huge stake in the game. I collect a little bit of everything. I can't, I don't want to put myself in a position where I have so much invested that some outside influence is going to affect my market in that way. I mean, you can't avoid it completely, but you can mitigate as much as you can. Yeah. Um, you mentioned WWE, Brandon, and you mentioned Series 1. We cannot forget human nature because human nature is what caused the sale of the Wander Franco PSA 10. The lack of patience, the lack of uh, foresight. I don't even think it closed, though. That's what I'm trying to say. Sure. Like, I don't sure, even think it closed. I don't think there's an official sale on eBay for $2,000. Sure. But we will always see recency bias. We will always see people get who get too excited. Because in my opinion, you don't really need it. With Wander Franco's rookie card, you didn't need influencers to get people excited about it. They were going to be excited no matter what. Now, WWE... Can, that can be a whole conversation. And you're talking to a big wrestling fan, not necessarily a big fan of wrestling cards, right? It's the same thing as comic books. I love comic books, but I love comic books, not the cardboard with the comics on them. I love WWE. I love AEW. Well, I don't love AEW. I love wrestling in general. 
And I understand why people were excited. Now you can argue that these bizarre, you know, because it's prison, right, came from the last two years of, of collecting and the, yeah. uh, the, the thoughts. Now that brings me to Star Wars. Is Star Wars truly a pump and dump? Now, Rahul's been doing the research. I have not. I'm just a guy who knows this. I know that it's back in conversation because of shows like The Mandalorian and Obi-Wan. I know that there was a big backlash against it a few years ago because of the, the recent movies not performing well or being received very well. I am a big Star Wars fan going way back. Um, I, I've not watched all of the new material because it's not as interesting to me. Uh, but I do know... There's cards out there. I do know there's collectibles out there. So Rahul, tell us a little bit, uh, just, you know, I, I'm sure you, you're getting tired of it, but give us a little summary of what you saw in the market that concerned you. So um, it goes back to uh, the curator guy, right? And his buddy, Millie World. The, the so, curator guy who's, he's, I'm sure he's a great guy. Indeed. I, some guy stacking gems on Instagram, he, he's good buddies with them. So he's, he always says that you're misreading him. I'm like, okay, that's your opinion. I'm pretty sure he'd be nice to hang out with, but you know, some of the things that he does, you know, I, I, I don't like, uh, but he might, so, be talking, he might be talking about himself a lot, but anyway, sorry. <laughs> uh, but anyways, so I'll just start with the story. So the, they have, uh, this guy, um, Millie World, he, they're at a show. He was talking to this one dude. He got this uh, one, um, what he called the Grail card. It was the Kurosawa card, I believe. And um, yeah. he got it for pennies on the dollar. And then Millie World, um, he sold it to his buddy, Curator, because Curator, he's good at you know finding these deals and trying to go on a trend when you know a lot of people aren't on. You know, like I said, Steve Aoki follows this dude. Okay, so there's big money following this guy yeah. because he can sell. Whether we like him or not, he's good at negotiating. He's good at selling things. I'm not going to deny that. So he found this card for, he bought it off $5,000. And um, then he sold it to DAP Sports. I think the price was 16500 bucks. So uh, now we have a video yesterday. I don't know if you saw it on YouTube. They ask, uh, I think in the video is asked in the title, Star Wars Grail card could sell for $100,000, something along the lines of that. You, you can just look it up the title. I may be, you know, botching right. it up, but it's just asking the question, $100,000. So I did some digging of this, right? And uh, Luke Skywalker PSA 10 card, before the market was tanking, this was October of last year, $55,000. And um, PSA 9, what, 3600 bucks. So um, as you know, the curator guy, he reads the Luber paper, right? He was talking a lot about it. He didn't talk about the hype, you know, and the hype cycle, which is quite interesting. He did talk about Luber's paper for about an hour, mentioned nothing about hype. So what I believe what he's doing is he may be hyping these cards up, going in videos, because remember, the hype cycle ends at one point and you want to generate your profits right before, you know, the dump, because all that supply, Luber talked about in his paper and same with Curator. That if you have excess supply coming in, what's going to happen to the price? The price is going to come tumbling down. So you want to get ahead of it. You want to front run this trade before, you know, the masses get in. So I believe that all these guys, they're trying to say, hey, look, Star Wars, this Grail card, this new Kurosawa card. It, it looks nice, by the way. I'm not denying that. Okay. There's no doubt about this, but to put a valuation of a hundred thousand dollars or just asking that question, in my opinion, is very irresponsible because, you know, a PSA 10 sold for what? $55,000. And now you're saying a modern card is selling much more than that. And then the thing that it was quite interesting, I don't know if you've heard of Ziggy No on YouTube no. and he, no, he sent me this video yesterday or a few days ago. So Ziggy, 
he's been following my work. He sent me this link. My blood pressure boiled up when I saw this video. But Ziggy was saying that in that video, um, the guy, Murley World, friend of Curator, he was saying that this card is his grail card. So, and then he flipped it within what? A few months. Like uh -huh. who flips a grail card unless uh -huh. you need money? Yeah. So who does that, right? Like if it's if you need money because okay, you need to pay the bills, fine. You know, I'm cool with that. But this is not for that. This is not like, you know, a medical emergency. No, yeah. you saw an opportunity. This is not your grail card, in my opinion. This is hype to the utmost degree. And then you go on a video where the guy puts asking the question, is this card a hundred thousand dollars? Like, are you kidding me? And a few weeks ago, um, there's another uh, dude, Dakota. And I said, like, look, they're going to probably be pumping Star Wars up. And he was on a video with curator. Like he went after me with, with this other dude, Carlos. And I'm like, what the hell was that? And then I had a hissy fit on one of my um, videos the day after, but it's just crazy. I mean, you, you see this pattern in PMGs, right? Talk it up, hype it up. And then the PMG market crash, you know, there's this one sale on golden and like, I don't know if these sales are, you know, accurate on golden, meaning that are they shilled, right? Asking questions, not 100% sure. I think the PWCC one, I'm sorry to interrupt both of you. I think PWCC is the most interesting for me, to be honest, because PWCC, especially in this market, has been setting a lot of all-time highs. I mean, I don't know if you follow PWCC on Instagram, but they're constantly talking about how this card's an all-time high and this card's an all-time high and this card's though, an all-time right? high. And the fact that they got kicked off eBay for shill bidding, Right. I mean, and, and they'll argue that it was because they were competitors and they were getting too big for eBay or whatever, but they were kicked off eBay for shill bidding. And so now we're using this platform as new comps that's yep. been known to shill bid. And I just find that whole thing so interesting. The fact that no one questions these comps that are brand new, you know, maybe if they fit their narrative, they're like, oh, no, of course, like that's that's of course, like a natural trajectory when things are going sideways in the rest of the world is that this card goes up. Like, what are you talking about? You know what not, I mean? Like, uh, not to course. mention, not to mention these fractional companies coming up with their own evaluations based on what I'm not sure other than their desire to maximize. I, I would argue one of the big red flags from all the stuff that Rahul was mentioning is these, these items we're discussing. Okay. They may have been in a different form. They may not have been graded or they may have been graded differently. We're, dollar items two three years ago okay i might be exaggerating a bit but these star wars cards were, were considered junk not long ago uh and i would say that's a huge red flag in this whole business of pumping them up as when you start getting into hundred thousand dollar valuation that's silly money that's big money and yeah, it's more than the psa 10 luke skywalker and that and remember we're in a market where a lot of cards have gone down, maybe a few exceptions, but are, are those comps, like you said, legit? And I don't have full confidence that they are. Yeah, for sure. I, and, but again, I, I understand where people might be. I have not seen the content of the, you know, the counterattacks against you and that sort of thing, but I can see where people are coming from where they might say Star Wars deserves this hype. Star Wars is a collectible that's underrated. Um, and to be honest, uh, looking, looking back at it, I would still be on your side because Star Wars has been around for a long time. It has a natural organic fan base that can, can dictate a price. And the problem is we now have outsiders involved, in my opinion, because a lot of these guys, I'm sure, that are discussing this are maybe not the most hardcore Star Wars fans. They, they, they get their fingers into all these different things that you've mentioned, PMGs, et cetera, so on and so forth. Is it sincere? Where is that coming from other than, you know, the dollars and cents, that sort of thing? Um, and I think that that can apply to the whole WWE discussion as well. People will, people will tell you it's been underrated for a while. People will tell you right now it's overrated. It's overpriced. For, for what it is, right? Because essentially it's coming, is it not coming from the nucleus being sports and like baseball cards, basketball cards, player performance, stuff like that, as opposed to the realm of pop culture? I don't know, that's just my opinion. Raul, I mean, did you think Darren Ravel was pumping tickets or was he just passionate about tickets? I think he's passionate about tickets because he 
he's been buying weird tickets, you know, yeah, what yeah, people yeah. would consider weird tickets. Like yeah. I'm from Chicagoland and he used to collect um, Ferris Bueller, you know, when they taped it in the 1980s, you know, when I was really young and uh, he, he had tickets of that. So I don't think, I think he just got excited. Like, look, I have all these tickets and, you know, I have all these straight, not strange, but, you know, unique collectibles and uh you know there's some things i obviously don't agree with Ravel, but in terms of collectibles i think he has a great uh he he has a lot of knowledge that a lot of us don't so i I don't think he's pumping i know some people may disagree with that uh brendan you want to get into the the market what's happening why it's happening is are we in a crash kind of thing if you want to have some specific questions regarding yeah yeah no for sure for sure i mean one of the one of the reasons why i personally wanted to have you on this show and much of what we talked about kind of touched on at the beginning is i mean and, and i guess throughout this whole show is like your perspective is definitely different than a lot of the traditional voices in this hobby right the, the traditional yeah. voices in the hobby have a vested interest, whether that's, you know, maybe too much in, in, in collectibles. And, and it's up to you to determine too much. I personally think that if you get offended by anything that someone else says about a player or a collectible or, you know, a specific sport market that you're probably too invested, you're too close to the matter. Uh, that's my personal opinion. But um, I, I think that the fact that you're able to kind of zoom out I mean, even the fact that you said that when you jumped in, the first thing you didn't do was to follow the hype and to go into ultra modern, because that's what a lot of people did when they jumped back in, even in 2018, right? Like there were people that came in in 2018 and were enticed by, uh, um, you know, free flowing product. Luca, Luca was a rookie. Like uh, we have, I mean, Trey was big in that rookie class too, right? Like a lot of young stars. And instead you zoomed out and you're like, okay, well, like, let's look at this logically logically speaking is this a normal cycle that happens in the in the winter time which we know oftentimes cards do dip in the in the, the summertime um or do you think this one's going to be a longer lasting one uh, I'm, I'm curious what you think yeah I, I think this could be a long response uh, I'm, I'm not sure if you're gonna agree with this but i believe there may be a dead cat bounce in the hobby and i'm not looking from a seasonal point of view i'm thinking maybe for the next year or so so we have to flashback 2018 to about what 2020 okay so i follow the federal reserve quite closely i didn't really follow this until i saw prices going crazy in 2020 by the way i got in because i went to an antique shop but then I just thought about this logically. So the Federal Reserve was lowering interest rates in 2018. And then we had a lot of people getting back into the hobby as well. They were lowering interest rates. And my study of collectibles, because I've studied gold and silver too, they do well in a negative interest rate environment, which means when the interest rates are below the inflation rate, that means that usually you're going to get uh, people trying to hedge against uh, so-called inflation. And one way they do it is through collectibles. So in 2018 to about 2020, you saw rates and those interest rates started to become negative. If you look at the 10-year treasury inflation protected securities in the U.S., and then you had COVID happen. So you had to pull back. So interest rates went a little positive. But after all of this funny money from the Federal Reserve, printing money, you saw um, all this liquidity made interest rates very negative. And uh, if you look at the five-year Treasury Inflation Protected Securities, 10-year inf- Protected Securities, they were negative until what, October, I think, of last year. And then they started to rise back up. And now I think it's like close to very positive interest rates. So, um, and in that timeframe, we've had a huge correction as early as what, March of last year, we've seen a correction in some cards that have been overvalued, but then a lot of other cards have taken a beating too. 
So I believe what the Federal Reserve is going to do is they're not going to aggressively raise rates, and that's going to make interest rates um, more negative on the five-year tips and the 10-year tips. I know it's complicated for some people listening that don't follow this. I, I could show people my other videos where they could see graphs. And, and we'll but, definitely link those below. I, I, yes. I definitely follow what you're saying here. So you're saying that over the course of five years that you think that the interest, I mean, that the interest will the interest rates will be lower and thus, I mean, the collectible markets might actually stabilize. Uh, for the next year or two, let, let me rephrase that. Okay. But then I expect a crash, stock market crash like crazy. Everyone's saying crash now, right? I was saying, uh, you know, be careful of recession. People were hating on me, but I'm saying now they're saying recession. I'm like, no, 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 one to two years. So maybe a one to two year dead cat bounce. But then, you know, I expect a crash in 2024, 2025. And I expect that's probably going to be a very good buying opportunity, not investment advice. This is just, you know, what yeah, I'm yeah. thinking out loud. I'm subject to change my opinion, but this is the data that I've been looking at. And that's when I aggressively want to buy, you know, interest rates will be very positive, you know, five-year tips, 10-year tips. That's when I want to buy. Like in 2018, I want to look for a scenario like that where there isn't that much interest. I mean, a lot of people are, you know, throwing in the towel now. So I want to see more pain. I want to see more viciousness on YouTube. I don't know how much you follow on YouTube. Some of the videos, you know, you people may call negative. So I want to get in, you know, when there's total blood on the streets, total mayhem, completely opposite of 2021, February, March. And that's when I want to get in, to be honest. And that's, you know, you buy when there's excess fear and you sell when there's ridiculous amount of greed, like in 2021. So are you holding the line, so to speak, right now? Um, I have some collectibles, um, you know, from a long-term perspective, you know, my grail card, I'm not going to be selling it off like in a month, you know, unless yeah, I yeah. need the money. <laughs> but like uh, I'm a Khabib, I'm a Khabib uh, 2013 blue refractor card. I bought not that much. It was basically pennies on the dollar, hundred bucks. Now it may be in the thousands of dollars because of, you know, it's a yeah. low pop card, one of his earlier cards yep. numbered out of 188. So I want to try to keep cards like that. I want to look for, okay, it doesn't matter if I'm right or wrong. I want to buy cards. I think uh, you commented on my Gretzky purchase, right? An OPG non-rookie card, right? Yeah. So I'm just looking at just weird cards like that under what, 20 bucks, 30 bucks, whatever I bought it at. I don't remember because I've been buying a lot because I believe those cards are undervalued, right? Even if you're in a recession, I want to be aggressively buying that. I want to aggressively buy some Willie Mays cards um, that are low grade that people aren't looking at because I believe that over long periods of time, people will still buy those, right? It, sure. it doesn't matter what economic environment we're in. Yeah. Some Jordan slabs I want to buy. So th that's my strategy long-term. It's just that I want to buy these cheap slabs and then I want to be very aggressive if I have the money to buy these uh, highly graded rookies. You know, the Brady's again, I want to get back into Gretzky, Jordan's, et cetera. You know, all those type of cards when markets tank. And right now I'm just, you know, dipping my toes in and not being as aggressive as other people, to be honest, but I want to be aggressive when they're not aggressive and they're throwing in the towel. I think your, your take on low pop or low pop and like low grade stuff is, is spot on because I mean, the market that we're in right now is like, like anything, but I mean, it's lightening up, but it's very much anti anything, but PSA 10. I mean, we've seen it with BGS nine fives. BGS yeah. 95s are half the price of PSA 10s, right? And they're both gem mint grades. And yeah. oftentimes, if you crack a BGS 95, and I'm not saying that you, I, I'm not suggesting that you do this by any means if you're listening or watching. Yeah. I'm just saying that, you know, I would say more often than not, they should, you know, cross over, right? And theoretically speaking, they're both the same grade. But one is two times more expensive than the other, right? And I got to believe, I mean, there's a lot of people that are, that are in this hobby right now that are completely unaware that at one point BGS was the number one grading company, right? And right. so it's not so far-fetched to think that maybe, like, maybe another company can take over. And if they don't, at the very least, 
if people only care about PSA 10s right now, that must mean that PSA 1s, and I'm not saying to buy ultra-modern PSA 1s, but maybe there's a market for those. But PSA 1s, PSA 2s, PSA 3s, things that people kind of scoff at right now. And it happens to me because I collect a lot of like vintage stickers and people will look at like a three and they'll be like, oh, like, like, like wide or like or that should be higher. Or uh, why did you buy that such a low grade? And, and, and it, I just find it fascinating because to me, I have a piece of history from 70 years ago and I can't believe that it's been preserved. I mean, even in this condition, quite frankly. Because I mean, I have pairs of socks that don't last two years. You know, yeah. never mind this. Never mind this sticker that traveled from Italy for seventy years. Yeah. Uh, so I find that fascinating that you mentioned this because I, I, I'm also in agreement agreement with you. I just think that going the route that no one is going right now, or you know, in the future, is definitely going to result in you having or being in the best position possible to be successful in future markets, right? Like the people who are getting killed right now are the people who are tailing all these influencers, the people who are last to buy, last to sub, you know what I mean? There's a lot of people have subs coming back from PSA from stuff that was trendy in 2019 and 2020. And now those cards are worth pennies on the dollar. And so, um, I mean, I, I love, I love your, your, your outlook, man. It's good stuff. Well, well, guys, I think Gretzky and Pele are always astute investments, in my opinion. And I think that covers both of you guys. Yeah. Um, who do you trust, Rahul? Do you want to give some shout outs here? Who do you go to? And again, you've said you are relatively new to this. You came in at an investment standpoint. Who do you trust for hobby advice? Are there people that you go to that you feel are unbiased and will give you the lowdown without a sponsorship from PWCC or, uh, or, or uh, Zero Cool? Who do you go to for advice? So I believe in a motto of listening to all, but follow none. So I want to go with my gut feeling. I want to see what person X is saying. I want to see what a flipper is saying. I want to see what a pumper is saying. I want to see what someone who's rational, like Patrick Ryan saying. And um, I want to see what someone who may just fall in between, who's neither, you know, doesn't fall in those categories. I want to listen to everybody, digest that information and just go from there because I don't want to, um, how should I say it? I believe there are people that are, like cult leaders in this hobby. And I don't want to just fall into that same trap. Like, Oh, um, this person is saying amazing things all the time. So, you know, I'm just going to listen to this person. No, I want to listen to everybody. And that's, I believe how you learn, because even uh, for instance, um, uh, you may not like, um, what's his name? Uh, Luca Tiger LeBron, right? You may I not like the Luca. I didn't say I don't like them. I don't like the okay. fact that they do what they do when it comes to their sponsorships. It sort of takes them out of being human and more robotic, but yeah, sure. Sorry. Yeah. So they had a, um, good podcast listening into this. Um, I think it's, uh, some soccer dude. I mean, I just followed him yesterday. It's like, LA something anyways like this dude had amazing knowledge on just like market cycles and he's younger than me and then I followed him and then he messaged me back he's like dude I didn't know you're an IG and then he's saying like yeah I agree with you what you're saying about this one dude right so so that's why I'm saying like people shouldn't limit themselves to who they listen to because you may find someone interesting on a podcast where you may not like the guys who are running the podcast. So that's yeah. why I say like, listen to everybody, but you know, it doesn't mean you have to, you know, agree with them or, or you, you wouldn't even say hi to them at a, you know, yeah. at a conference, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's certainly no problem being like the cartel where you're old enough uh, to feel that, you know, everything and you don't need anyone's input, but you know, that's a whole other thing. Um, I wanted to play some word association with you. This always ends up being difficult. Yeah. Word association is I am going to name someone or something. Uh, feel no pressure here, Rahul. Yeah. Uh, you can give us a, 
a one word answer. You can give us a more in-depth response, but it's yeah. going to be, you know, people and things relevant to the hobby. Brendan, please chime in if you can think of one that you want to toss in there. Although I think I have a pretty comprehensive list here. Okay. Um, and it can be anything. It can be, it can even be a term or, or things like that. So it's like doing um, a word search, you know, or not a word that, search. Yeah. What is it? It's a crossword. It's like doing a crossword, exactly, you know, right. And, uh, and Raul, before we, and, and again, just touching again on the Luke, Luca Tiger, LeBron V friends. Um, again, uh, we had, uh, they, they had a kid involved, Conrad. He was hilarious. We've had him on the show. Um, I don't have any particular issue with any of these guys. I probably have so much in common with Andrew Goldberg, uh, just taking a look at his feed, his personal feed, which has nothing to do with cards most of the time. We'd probably be great friends. Um, and I forgot to ask, and I'm sorry, just looping back to the beginning of the podcast. Uh, what was your ultimate? Did, did you get a good feeling when you were done with those guys? Did they hear you out? Did you walk away feeling like, because whenever I walk away from conversations with some of them, I don't think I've had an impact. They're just going to do their thing. How did you walk away from that experience before we get into the word association? Yeah, I think they treated me fairly. I mean, they let me speak whatever I was thinking. Obviously, uh, Cage Lawyer. I, I don't know if he's playing devil advocates at sometimes, but I think he did a good job. You know, when I brought up the Gary B situation uh, with the gorilla and the um, dolphin, he, yeah. he turned it around. He asked me like, so do you like red hot chili peppers? And I said, yeah, I do. And then he oh. said, uh, Oh, so you like the song Danny California? I said, yeah. So he said that, Oh, well, there's a controversy with, uh, you know, Danny California and one of Tom Petty's songs. So like he came up with a good, um, you know, rebuttals. And then he's trying to say like, look, you know, um, Red Hot Chili Peppers may have came up with it on their own, just like Gary Vee did. So he came up with, you know, an interesting response, even though I look further into it, I think Dan, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers and Tom Petty, they had the same producer. So I don't know if that had something to do with it, but that was just quite interesting. So you learn something. I personally feel... I personally feel it's too strong of a coincidence. But anyways, um, yeah. okay, let's get going on word association. Ready? We're yeah. Start with the most obvious one, the hobby. The hobby. The hobby right now is in a very fragile place and it's coming from the industry. The industry needs to change their act. Perfect. Okay. We're playing word association. Excellent. Drake. Drake. <laughs> Why is he opening wax when the market has <laughs> tanked? Now, that's a contrary indicator to me. Okay. Prism. Overhyped. Grading. Grading. Way too much grading right now. P. Ryan Collection. One of the realest dudes in the hobby. Investing in the hobby. Most people don't know how to invest in this hobby. They're just buying the hype and following the influencers. Chris from House of Jordans slash comparing stocks with the hobby market. Oh my God. I knew this would be a, yeah. Yeah, this... <laughs> Yeah, you, you should bring on Ziggy. No, <laughs> you could have he could talk about an hour <laughs> about uh Chris from Card Ladder. Oh my god, I, I could go on for a long time with this guy too. <laughs> but it's word association, yes. Yep. Uh, I believe that guy is one of the most shadiest guys in the hobby. Ooh, Rahul, my respect for you <laughs> exploding. Uh, card porn. From what I've seen, I've liked them thus far, but I've been following them much uh, less than other people are because, you know, I don't, I just got into Instagram yeah. much later than others. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's reasonable. Lameen James. Pretty funny. Uh, pretty funny memes. Okay. This one might be obscure, which is you can pass. But, and also, I'm going to give mine here. I'm like breaking all the rules of the game. Signed and slabbed, a.k.a. Dave. I'm going to give mine. It's from the Latin, Jerkus Malurcus. Do you know signed and slabbed? No. 
<laughs> but I provided the word association for Simon's Lab. All right. Um, wrapping up with Hanky Panky. <laughs> Man, there's so much Hanky Panky out there. I wonder what's going on. I think we're talking behind uh, before we started. So I observed the Hanky Panky that's out there. What type of Hanky Panky is happening behind closed doors? Yes. And that that's that's something you know if someone's able to get dms or whatever Y'all. oh man this, this would be a field day for my channel <laughs> i bet you all three of us have dms that would be a field day for many channels and produce many hits and and but but i don't know i don't i don't know yeah yeah hopefully no one hacks my dms because i'm just getting so much information since like two months ago ridiculous amounts yeah. of hanky panky Excellent. I like to, I personally call it shenanigans and sometimes hoopla, but I love hanky panky. Uh, and I think that's a wonderful way, Brendan, to, uh, to wrap things up here with the hanky panky. I know you were looking forward to hanky panky. Coach Co loves hanky panky. I, uh, I would, that was definitely, and I told him before he jumped on the show that, I, you know, I was just waiting for him to say the word hanky panky. Uh, yeah, just, he, he held back. I, uh, I'm glad. I mean, I'm not glad, but it kind of built up to the end, you know, for the last, I, I probably wouldn't have let you go unless I heard hanky panky. I'm just giving you a heads up it's because uh, it's been such a staple, um, you know, to, to describe what's undescribable or indescribable, you know, um, you know, from the cardboard coaches, I, I want to thank you for coming on and uh, providing, you know, not only us, but our listeners, some really, really valuable content and uh, a fresh perspective. And we want to, you know, wish you the best and, and uh, you know, you got our support in terms of just saying what you need to say ultimately. Yeah. And it, yeah you and two should definitely come on my live stream sometime this summer. I think yeah, you'd, you'd be a hit. People would love you. Yeah. People that they don't know that you do these podcasts. I mean, I follow you guys on IG. It's a a weird thing, right? People have like, I guess it depends on where you start out. It's a platform by platform thing, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I'm not an IG guy. Everyone knows me from my YouTube videos and then some IG guys aren't big on YouTube. So, yeah. And I'm big on neither. I'm big on TikTok. (laughs) Tiki tiki talk, tiki talk. Not, not for this old man. I'll tell you that. Team, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, thanks again for, for stopping by. Cardboard coaches are out of here. Peace. See you at the expo, y'all.